Welcome to the Sunday Session podcast on NRL.com. We're taking you through all eight games from round five. My name is Chris Kennedy. With me after a little sojourn last week, he went AWOL, but Kenny Scott is back in town. Kenny, how are you? I'm great. They tried to keep me out, but they just can't lock that door hard enough, can they? I'm back. Just couldn't couldn't quite manage to keep you away. And uh, this week, it is our very great pleasure to join uh, or to host from the Melbourne Storm, Chris Lewis. Chris, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, I get straight into it. Um, you've played, I think it was four straight games to start the season. I know the whole team was probably pretty keen to get uh, Harry Grant back, but um, unfortunately for yourself, I mean, 18th man duties. That uh, what was that sort of whole experience like? Did you um, did you know at the start of the week that that you were the guy to to take the 18th man duties if, if Harry was back, or how did that all pan out? Yeah, um, Craig told me at the start of the week that you know if Harry was back. Um, you know, I'd be out, so I was, I was sort of ready for it. But um, I was trying to, you know, push Harry over at training, just sort of, you know, <laughs> keep him down. But no, he came through the week, and it was, um, yeah. If, if you're missing a game, it's good to, it's good to miss for the Origin hooker to come back in and, and lift the team as a whole. A little bit of a different, um, I guess, technically a different duty for 18th man the last fortnight because you're not you're not out of the game once the game starts. You kind of got to sit there and if there's some foul play or some HAAs, you may actually find yourself still thrown into the fray. Was that sort of a, a different mindset at all? Or you just sort of take it as it comes. Yeah, it's sort of it is a bit weird, and, and we didn't really know how to handle it. So I, I sort of sat on the bench and all the the bib and sort of tried to keep warm the entire game. But it's kind of draining when you you know you're not. You're probably not going to get on there, but you just sort of, you know, you, you see someone go down, or you see, you know, a bit of a, a late shot on someone, and then you jump up and you think, oh, maybe I'll, I'll this might be my chance to get in there. But um, yeah, it's just a bit of a different, um, different atmosphere. You can't just sort of switch off and watch the game. And the, uh, I guess, the season to date, you guys obviously had a couple of uh, real tough road trips, round two and three, back with a, a huge bang in, in round four and round five. Uh, must be a just a, a nice feeling. I know you would have wanted to win those two games, but a nice feeling to, to really sort of hit some momentum now. Yeah, it was just good to you know, not have Craig chasing us around after the loss. It was pretty terrifying for those two weeks. So, you know, even though we know, you know, the bounce of the ball had gone our way, we, we could have won those two games, but... You know, they're still very serious when you lose a game in Melbourne. So, you know, it's just sort of expected that we, you know, we produce better than that. So it's good to be back in the winner's circle for sure. And, and there's still lots of things we can improve on from last one. Uh, Chris, you joked about pushing Harry Grant over at training. Um, uh, I would imagine, all jokes aside, that no. uh, competition for spots is pretty fierce. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's, at the same time, I think, no, like, everyone knows, that, you know, You've got you've got such a good coach and and good coaching staff that they're they're the ones that are going to make that decision, and you know you got to trust them to make the right call. I think you know someone like Tom Eisenhuth even came in and played a really good game against the uh, against the Broncos. Played a really good game at the start and back row, and then you know he gets put back to the bench because you got you know, the Origin Australian back rower coming back in. I think that's healthy to have that level of competition. You know it drives everyone to go as hard as they can, but. Yeah, you, you just sort of trust that the coaches will get it right, and you just do everything you can, and hopefully you can sneak on there. But so also, in, make in it, that, yeah. Sorry, when, um, when you do get, it's good that you know you're being trusted. You know what I mean? You get you get sort of trusted with that responsibility. If they're putting you in there, they're not just putting you in there for for no reason. Well, yeah, with a, a team as, as with a famous a culture as, as well renowned as, as Melbourne, I guess if they're if they're putting the faith in you to um to get into the team, then uh, you know that you must be doing something um something right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And so I think that's you know, when even when you get your debut, you, you know what you've done is 
is enough to impress them. You just got to go out and sort of play the games you've played before and, and do the little things right. And, and if they're willing to put you out there, then you know what you're doing must be enough. So uh, still on Melbourne and, the, and that famous culture, I think uh, Josh Adokar said uh, possibly at the beginning of the season, um, you know, if you want to become a better footballer, go to Melbourne. Um, what's it like for you um, sort of being, ha- having come from um, a pretty strong, solid career in the, in the Q Cup up to NRL level with a team like Melbourne, what's it been like for helping your footy skills and your, and your, your general game knowledge? Yeah, I think, I think just, you know, being able to bounce ideas off, especially when we were in lockdown last year, you know, I was cornering Cameron Smith for three coffees every morning and talking football with him. <laughs> it was it's pretty handy. You know, and, you know we'll, you're living with blokes like, you know, Felice Cafusi, who's, you know, like I said, a really well-regarded back rower and playing ping pong against him. And then you drag him over to watch some video and you can, you know, you can sort of work on little things that, you know, you've spotted or you can you can come to him with different ideas. And, and you know, if you want to talk about, you know, running a ball playing shape, you talk to Kenny on the other edge, you know, there's a lot of good footballers around. It's amazing to have, you know, that level of expertise and, and that's all you do. It's sort of, I was teaching last, in, 20, in 2018, I was teaching all year and 2019 even, I was teaching all year and playing footy in the afternoons. It's a, it's a definite difference to come in and you know, all, all you got is you know, the best footballers in the world just bouncing ideas around off each other. Yeah. I was going to say, is that sort of all on, on hold now? I guess it'd be tricky to, to keep your toe in the, the teaching with you got sort of not only the full-time footy, but also what we've had with COVID and everything else. There must be a fair bit going on. Yeah, I'm a realist. Um, you got to do ten days a you got to do ten days a year to keep your teaching qualification up and and pay the fees. So I've, I've been keeping that up. I got I got my days in at the end of last year uh, oh, teaching nice. at Redcliffe. So, so I've got I've got a little contract in to, to keep my qualifications up to date. So if I need to, yeah, I can I can go back and start teaching again. Now that you are in and around that sort of full-time squad, you've, like I said, you just played a month of games straight, having broken into the team um, last year. You must be really sort of setting your stall out to try and play some consistent NRL over the next sort of few years at, at Melbourne, surely? Yeah, I think that's the goal. But, like, again, you look at – you've still got Dale Finucane to come back into that team from last yeah, night. Um, so there's a lot – just – and then you know, you've got Branko Lees playing right now. So you got a lot of – you know, talented footballers just floating around looking to get in there. So I'll just keep doing everything I can and and uh, hopefully, you know, the cookie crumbles my way a bit. However that how it happens, you know, if I get a game, you know, put my case forward and, and hopefully I can I can keep sneaking games in. What about, I guess, just the team in general? We, we sort of talked about the, the back-to-back wins. We've seen, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen absolutely lighting up the, the highlight reels and the, the score sheet. You know, Harry Grant's come back into the side. You know, it seems like everyone's sort of really humming now, uh, heading into the, the Roosters next week, how do you feel like the team's placed? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like like watching the game yesterday, I had a pretty good seat for it, actually. Um, and I feel like at different times, we really we really were humming. There was a lot, you know, there's a lot of good things to watch. But then I also saw those periods where whether we switched off or whether the you know we sort of got out of got out of our out of our role a bit. There's a lot of room for improvement. And I think you know with Harry and Brandon playing together and and blokes to come back. And I think we're still sort of, you know, we lack that composure that we had when Cameron was there, that sort of, you know, just kick into corners and break teams down. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of places for us to improve. And I think we'll need to be, we'll need to improve in a lot of those areas to beat the Roosters. They played some pretty good footy last Yeah, for sure. You've, you mentioned Cam Smith a, a couple of times and, and the chance for yourself to pick his brain when he was in the, the full-time roster. And Craig Bellamy sort of mentioned a few times in press conferences that the team's still learning to to play and, and live without 
Cam Smith, I guess having such a dominant player, probably the best player I've ever seen, certainly the best of his generation, barely miss a game for the basically 20 years that is going to leave a, a golf and obviously having, um, you know, Harry back in that, that nine role is going to help, but uh, it's just something I guess it's going to take a while to adapt to. Yeah. Like it's just, and it's not even all necessarily the, the on field stuff, you know, he, as yeah. much as he was a great player, it was the way he, you know, set the culture. And if training was a bit off, he could, you know, slow things down and, and sort of get everyone back on track. And it takes a while for, you know, new leaders to step up and take control of things that way, like off the field as well, if you know what I mean? Like that little, just, yeah. you know, the composure we have, you know, everyone's preparation perfect and all that sort of stuff. He was very good at that side of things. So it's just going to take a while for us to adjust to that. Uh, Chris, <laughs> here's a teaching related uh, question for you. Um, your uh, what, uh, history and English, I think, your two, your two subjects. Um, uh, high school high school kids can be somewhat rambunctious, and I'm sure you've had to bring them into control sometimes. Have you taken any cues um, from Craig Bellamy on how to really deliver a, an authoritarian speech? Oh, I think if I threw one of Craig's speeches out in the classroom, I'd, I'd be I'd be on the tools the next week. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think what Craig's really good at is um, is it breaking things down to to effort areas. Would what I'd say. So it's I think the way he breaks things down is if you watch the whole game of football, it can be quite difficult to learn. Whereas he breaks it down to you know just a few key effort areas that anyone can do. And I think that's something that I look to take over and you know all other parts of my life as well. As you know, it's not it's not a massive effort on any you know it's not any one amazing thing. It's just lots of little. Can, you know, continuous efforts, you know, consecutive efforts that you can sort of break in. I think that works well when you're talking things down to children as well, you know. You're not talking about, you know, you just have to establish good habits more than anything else. Well, um, Chris, is probably all we've got time for on the, the Sunday session, but thank you so much for stopping by and uh, sharing your insights on the Storms season to date. And uh, fingers crossed we see you back in that 17 for the blockbuster against the Roosters next Friday night. Yeah, mate, I'll be pushing Harry around at training. I'll get back in there that you <laughs> Good to hear. Tie shoelaces together or something. So we will get cracking on the other seven games from round five, starting off with the game that just finished the Parramatta Eels up against the St. George Laura Dragons at Bankwest Stadium. And uh, a bit of an upset this one. The Dragons, I think we've said about three weeks in a row, they were better than we uh, gave them credit for at the start of the season. Question marks over the, the quality of the opposition they'd beaten previous to this week. But they, um, they won, they did it convincingly, and they were outstanding. Yeah, it was it was a bit surprising, wasn't it? Because as you said, uh, we've been saying, "Yep, uh, should give Dragons more credit than, than we have previously." But uh, they also haven't really played anyone that tested them. And I thought Parramatta would be a lot better in this game, but I also didn't think that the Dragons would be so good in this game because they were. They were just there's no other way to, to describe it. They were just really, really good. They obviously had that they'd been like well drilled for this game. Their defense was outstanding. Their like their intensity and their runs was outstanding. They never sort of seemed to lose their way. They weren't going for quick and easy points. They just, you know, kicked to the corners, maintained pressure, et cetera, et cetera. And it worked. It was amazing. You uh, former Eels came back to haunt their old club. I thought Daniel Alvaro was outstanding, thrown into the fray nice and early when uh, Blake Laurie was taken off with that, uh, I think it was a cork to his leg and Alvaro just in everything in the middle along with guys like Vaughan, Tarek Sims, Formaiono, they um, they really set the tone through the middle. Corey Norman, um, I'm not going to say it was a 10 out of 10 game, but he certainly controlled proceedings well but man of them I haven't seen the man of the match but I assume it was Matt Tufty he was just magical at the back I think he's they scored four tries he scored two of them and he set up the other two it was just a brilliant performance from the fullback 
I know it's like it's, it's early days um, and Adam Clune's played, what, one and a half games or something like that. But when Ben Hunt is fit, what are they going to do? Are they going to bring him straight back in or do you think they'll sort of, uh, you know, have them both running in the team somewhere? Yeah, no, it'll be what they were doing beforehand, which is Ben Hunt in the um, in the seven and, and Clune back to reserve grade. And, I mean, they basically use Braden Williami as the utility because if they get an injury, Williami goes to centre and Jack Bird covers almost every spot on the field. So Bird can go to, you know, fullback or halves or whatever mm. it is. So that's that's how they sort of run that. So, yeah, Clune's a pretty handy backup to have coming in. But, um, I mean, no question that what their spine is um, when everyone's available. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to their... Um, to their edge defence more than anything. Their um, eels are pretty good at, at shifting wide and finding some metres um, out on out on the edges. And that right side with Zach Lomax and Michaela Ravalawa, um, the, the Ravalawa-Sivo battle we're all looking forward to. I think Ravalawa won that hand, hands down. He absolutely crunched mm-hmm. Tom Opacek a few times. But... Um, <laughs> Zach Lomax rocked, I think it was Nathan Brown. It was one forward. He absolutely just sat on his backside um, in the second half there. I think Dragons quite possibly have the best centre pairing in the NRL now that Jack Bird's hit his straps. I think he had something like seven busts tonight, um, Bird. So you put him on the left side and Lomax on the right side. And, um, you know, Cody Ramsey is still definitely a, a work in progress. But the um, the other three, it's uh, it's a pretty formidable three-quarter line. Yeah, I think you make a, like a really good point. Um, in that they, you could tell the, the the pressure put on the by the dragons to the eels made them it made them panic. So normally, I think like you know the, the trick is well run out of ideas, sort of go towards the edge and give it to Fergo and he'll find something, whether by um, you know design or just sheer luck. And it just they just couldn't do it, and and they kept making silly mistakes um, trying to get around them. And um, yeah, the dragons held strong. Yeah, you're right. They um they sort of, um, I think Vossi said in commentary, it felt like the Eels felt like they were further behind than they were for a lot of the game and just were trying to score off every set. Um, you know, Bryce Cartwright came on and pushed an absolutely awful offload a couple of minutes into his time on field. It was first game of the year after a delayed start due to a broken jaw. He had a, a poor kick in the, the second half on the fourth tackle, yeah. which I don't think was um, in the playbook. So um, he's really going to need to. And we all say, you know, it's the way he plays and he likes to try and create things, but you can't just be coughing up cheap possession when your team needs to get in the grind and they haven't earned, earned the right to um, to play that freewheeling style i felt mitch moses was probably a little bit hampered he didn't have his his best game and other than i mean isaiah papali'i who i've talked about i feel like every week was just phenomenal Mm. again starting on an edge with with madison out he scored um the try that was you know threatened to to start the comeback the first try the second half he you know he spent time in the middle once uh cartwright came on he just was in everything he's very close to by the season after five rounds i thought he was magnificent again Yep, wholeheartedly agree. A couple of um, eels were on the wrong end of a couple of bunker decisions, but I've got to say, I think they got them right. Um, the the disallowed try to Clint Cutherson, Junior Paulo got in the way of the lineup. Don't really think Formano would have got there, but I mean, if you just don't stop in the line, then you don't create that problem. And there was the um, yeah. penalty try early on um, to Matt Dufty. I know that probably a little bit of doubt around it. Matt Dufty's obviously um, got, you know, jet powered boots on but um i guess the <laughs> fact that the upright was he, had, he would have had to get around the upright was probably creating a bit of doubt but i thought probably penalty try was the correct decision and if it wasn't a penalty try it was a sin bin to nathan brown and dragons probably score anyway so um you know at the end of the day a very well-earned win to the dragons they've now won four in a row eels um 
level with them on four wins from five, but Penrith alone at the uh, the top of the ladder. We will move into the earlier game, which I believe you were in live attendance for. Um, I'll just let you. What, what what do you what do you make of that one at the end? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Like I just like a whole bunch of other sad people made the pilgrimage to Leichhardt Oval thinking, oh, this is going to be a really great Sunday afternoon. Tigers are in the frame to, to win here. Um, it's not going to be particularly easy, but, you know, Leichhardt Oval, big occasion. The Cowboys have had a terrible season. Um, the Tigers need something to sort of kickstart, get, get back on track. This will be the game. And they just, that for the first half, they served up like a cold steaming pile of manure. It was, it was awful. And, like, I know... Maybe you're hanging out for like a forensic blow-by-blow, really detailed recount of what happened. But to be perfectly honest, I was at Leichhardt Open, so I didn't really see anything. Um, <laughs> but it was like, it was just, I mean, it, what, uh, the Hammer scored that a try from, what, for 30 metres out, um, uh, what, three and a half minutes in or something like mm-hmm. that. And that just really, it really set the tone. The first half was just absolutely abominable. It was, it was just absolutely no intensity in defense. I think they were, they, it felt like they weren't communicating at all. Nobody really knew what they were supposed to be doing. And I think they had just expected Leichhardt to sort of win the game for them or, you know, the Tommy Rodonicus Memorial Day will, will, win, will magically make us win the game without actually having to, to plan for anything. People will come and say, oh, you know, second half comeback, blah, blah, blah. But really, I mean, you can't go into halftime 28-6 and um, and then come away without winning the game, thinking that there's any positives to come out of that, because because there's not. There was, yeah, the comeback was in, was interesting. I think they scored like four four pretty quick tries, but as soon as they had that disallowed try um, to uh, this David Nofaluma's second try, I think it was, it was disallowed. Um, like the wind just went out of their sails completely, and it's, and it's, then the Cowboys got possession and scored straight away. Like it was really disappointing stuff. I don't. I don't want to get too angry and too worked up about it, but I just, I'm just really disappointed in where the Tigers are at the moment. They're, they've completely regressed from the last two years where they seem to have been building. I, th- I think they've recruited quite well, but there's just something, something's not working because they were horrible. And, you know, credit to the Cowboys. I can't, I mean, it wasn't all just the Tigers being bad. They were actually quite good in patches as well. Not in patches, they were quite good for most of the game. Defence probably wasn't their strongest suit either because they did concede 30 points. Bit of a bit of the old Toyota Cup days coming in there, but... I mean, you know, it's a pretty long trip, Townsville to Leichhardt Oval, um, and not many, and they haven't won there for what since two thousand, I think, something ridiculous like that. About so, twenty years, yeah, yeah. So, congratulations to them for that. But that was just that was just unacceptable, an unacceptable game for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The for me, it was the lack of intensity and in defence in that first half. They were just there were some schoolboyish errors as well, but just getting caught flat-footed. And um, I think Todd Payton, we're starting to see glimmers of what he's going to bring to the Cowboys in the future because they had a plan to go to that um, their left side, the Tigers' right side defence um, early and, and spread it. And that worked to great offence, great uh, effect, the um, the, the the sheer speed of Hamasai Tabio Fido outside David Nofaluma for that first try um, it certainly was a, an advantage. And um, yeah, I think Peyton will be disappointed with the way they sort of collapsed in the second half. And if, um, you know, Tigers hadn't got in the way of the line for that Nofaluma potential second try and that had been allowed, I think Tigers probably come come away and, and win that one. But yeah, Cowboys, like you said, were legitimately very good in that first half. Murray Tuolangi had a, a magical 
magical grab from a bomb to somehow score a try. He's actually, I think, mm. he's been one of the Cowboys' best um, so far this year. I think Val Holmes has improved uh, a fair bit. Scott Drinkwater was, I don't know if he was man of the match, but he probably um, was just about um, best player on ground for mine. Um, their first game of the official post-Michael Morgan era after he unfortunately was forced into retirement with a, a shoulder injury. So little glimmers there for Cowboys fans. I still think they're going to be a, a bottom four team this year, but um, nice to see they're, they're showing some fight after the way they collapsed against Cronulla um, a week before. Uh, speaking of Cronulla, um, interesting game on Saturday night. They were um, up, I think it was 18 points to four. They led the Roosters about 20 minutes to go and uh, got steamrolled. Um, in the end, the, the headlines out of this one were all about uh, Sam Walker and probably rightly so. He was uh, he really just had a, a maturity beyond his years in the way that he uh, got the Roosters home in this one. Pretty unbelievable stuff, right? Like it's, it was a, like if you told me the Sharks are going to be winning against the Roosters, uh, 18-4 after 61 minutes. I w- I'd be pretty shocked. But then, again, if you'd told me that the Roosters would end up winning the game, I wouldn't be particularly surprised, which is probably shows the difference between between the two teams. How the Roosters... Like, the Roosters, congratulations to them. They're a great team with a great setup and a great culture, obviously, because they've got... Like, they've lost friend. They've got... They've got... Cordner's still out. Kiri's out. Um, and that's, like, for any... For a normal team, that would be huge. And that would be... That would affect them you know, irreparably, but they can still rely on like leadership from Crichton, Tedesco, Jerry Hargroves when he decides to, to tone it down a little um, and just sort of set the tone for a game like that where they were, you know, 12 points behind, three quarters of the game gone. And that's, uh, yeah, a team missing its key leaders will be like, well, all right, fine, let's just cop it. You know, obviously you try and win, but you could accept the loss, but the Roosters don't, they just don't do that. They pull Sam Walker, who like their, you know, their second, their reserve grade halfback, Bring him straight into the team, and he, you know, three clutch plays to win the game. Unbelievable stuff. It's, it's, they're just, they're, they're unstoppable. They're just, you know, they're like, yeah, they're very, very good. It was a, it was a fun game. Um, and it would have been very disappointing for the Sharks fans. It was a, um, I think we felt like Sam Walker didn't get adequately tested out by the Warriors on his debut. I think, you know, a, a skinny 18-year-old halfback on debut, you need to throw some traffic at him. You need some big angry back rowers making life hard for him. And I thought the Sharks did that a lot better than the Warriors did early on. But once, um, you know, Wade Graham, obviously um, another HIA rubbed out of the game and the Sharks started mm. to get a little bit skinny and the Roosters got some momentum back. They weren't able to keep that pressure on Walker. But I think he, he is going to have some... Um, some pretty, pretty stern tests this year um, with clubs giving him a, a working over, but um, his, you know, his mentality, his mental side of it looks like it's really, really strong. Um, I don't know what to make of the, the Sharks. I mean, really, really impressive to be up 18-4 against the Roosters, but um, that, that last 20 was, you know, as good as Sam Walker was, it was pretty ordinary from Cronulla. They obviously got some distractions around what's happening with uh, coach John Morris. They lost Wade Graham, like I said, for, you know, another another game with an HIA. They, they've had some bright spots. I think Will Kennedy's been absolutely fantastic. Um, some of the young guys like Teague Wilton um, have been really good. Toby Rudolph's been really strong. Um, you know, Matt Moylan and Chad Townsend, for the most part, have combined pretty well. But, um, you know, they're still just a, a tier below those top teams. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're, they're just a tier below, but they're, no, they're by no means, um, you know, they're definitely not battling out down the bottom like um, the Tigers might be. Um, but, like, the, the Roosters are a team where you're never going to be better than them for a full 80 minutes because they're just that strong. And I feel like had the had the Sharks held on to that ascendancy for, like, another five to seven or eight minutes, 
they probably would have got away with that one. It's just that they, the, the gap, a 20 minute gap is too long a window to, to get, let the roosters get on top of you. And, and that's, you know, it's, to be on top of the roosters for, you know, a majority of, of the game is, is a, a feat in itself. They just, you know, they just needed to, to keep it up a little bit longer. And I think they, the roosters wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, to score those winning points, but you know, I guess they'll hopefully they'll learn from that and move on. But they're, they're playing quite well. But you're right, you know, distractions from coach um, reports around um, coaches being replaced. I don't know. Do you think they would have known that before last night? Yeah, the players, um, the players know what's going on. I think there's been media attention right. around it. They know, they know that you know there's moves afoot to replace John Morris's coach. I, I don't see how that couldn't be a distraction. To be honest, given mm. how integral a part of the club that the coach is, it's integral to players. You know whether they're they're staying or going or who they're signing. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's got to be a factor for sure. Before we move on, um, given we are the official Morris Twins Appreciation Podcast, it would be remiss of me not to mention that Brett Morris now has 11, 11 tries in five games, which I believe is the equal most ever after five games of a premiership season. I think 11 in five games to start a year is the equal most, which he's now matched uh, an old record. So just keeps on keeping on the old uh, BMOs. I feel like he could get uh, quite a few more before the season is out. Um, (laughs) Moving ahead to the second Saturday game, Bulldogs 18 um, lost to the Storm at 52 at Stadium Australia. Um, We all expected um, a big score, but I guess the positive for the Bulldogs was that they weren't held to nil uh, for what would have been a fourth straight week. They they found three tries against the Storm, which was, um, you know, three more tries than they found in the three previous games combined <laughs> it's a pretty it's a sad state of affairs when you can take uh like extreme positives out of losing by 34 points um <laughs> it's it's just a the bulldogs yeah we all know we've said it for you know for the, since the season started they're in, a, they're in a really bad way they did show like that's the thing this game they definitely did show improvement because when um it was luke thompson you know broke the drought and scored that try it did change the the way the team reacted. They became, you know, they, they got they got um, you know, they stood a bit taller. They had a bit more enthusiasm. They looked a bit more bit more determined in, in how they were going about the game. You know, the result anything anything can happen, but everybody knew that Melbourne was going to win somehow, regardless of, of of you know how many points the Bulldogs managed to score, and that and that's how it went on. But yeah, the Bulldogs they did show improvement, and I guess that's the best thing that they can take out of this game. Um, you know, there was. Um, Flanagan, I know Flanagan's copped a fair bit of pressure of the follow, like the last couple of weeks. I thought he was he was okay. Um, uh, Avarillo, I thought was much better, imp- much much um, improved as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, they lost by thirty four. It was a good result for them somehow. Strange times. Yeah, I mean, we don't really need to talk about Melbourne because we already uh, did that at the top with um, with Chris Lewis. But I guess before we move on from from the dogs, I mean. What a, I think we talked about Jackson Torpenny last week. He got another half an hour or so off the bench. I thought he was really impressive again. Luke Thompson, who you mentioned, I think they um, they really have missed him through the opening month. Um, went off grabbing a hammy. I don't know if that's going to be a strain that keeps him out for a few mm. weeks or it was potentially just a cramp or a bit of tightness. You know, maybe he's a chance um, for next week. It was easily Jake Averillo's best game of the year um, so far. I was really starting to back his, uh, his running game again. He obviously scored a try, but... Um, you know, he set one up as well. I, I thought he showed some good signs. Wouldn't have even been playing, I don't think, if uh, Lockie Lewis hadn't had that head knock um, a week before. So, I mean, they were always starting from a fair way back this year, the Bulldogs, but 
you know, there's still certainly some some glaring issues, but I thought there were a few little glimmers there that um, things might be starting to improve. Yeah, and that's we said it last week as well. That's what that's what you got to look for when you're in a situation that they are. You just got to find those nuggets of positivity, uh, use them as the example, and build upon them. And you know, they can take they can take positives out of that game. The early Saturday game, the Titans 42-16 winners over the Newcastle Knights. David Fafita looking like um, one of those under-8s carnivals where there's some kid who you're sure is five years older than everyone else just stampeding around and throwing smaller children out of the way. Um, you know, some, some pretty good defenders. He, he like absolutely just threw Tyson Frizzell around a few times and then he got one-on-one with guys like Connor Watson and Callum Ponga. They had no chance. Um, yeah, three tries, 170-odd metres. He... Um, he finished up with and um, yeah, just far too good. Newcastle, I thought maybe the biggest disappointment of the weekends. They were, they were shocking. Has there ever been in recent memory, has there ever been um, a big name signing that has been so like successful or justified so quickly? Like they, I think his first game or two for the Titans weren't terrible. They probably weren't amazing, but these last couple of weeks, especially that against the Knights, he, He's just, I mean, you know, he does what it says on the packet, right? Run hard, break tackles, score tries. That's that's what he was, that's what they brought him to do. And that's exactly what he's doing. It was, it was amazing. Like, I don't know how he, yeah, like you said, he's chucking guys like Tyson Frizzell around. Tyson Frizzell is 99% pure muscle. <laughs> he's right. Like, hard, yeah. <laughs> he's how, how, how he does it, how you're supposed to stop a guy like that. Like there was, I think it was his, his second try. It was a, t- a ten meter tap or fifteen yeah. meter tap, and he just ran. He just ran at <laughs> ran at the line and scored. Like, how do you? How do you? I know that that like it's not all. That wasn't all for feeder. There was some lazy defense involved in that as well. But man, just so impressive. It's it's really good signs for, for for him and really really good signs for the Titans. I do have to agree with your comment on the Knights being disappointing. Uh, I don't know what's going on at Newcastle, but like, yeah, they're they're without Mitchell Pierce. At the moment, um, is he out for the season? I think he might be. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's like Pierce Mitchell Pierce is not the be all and end all of Newcastle. Plus, they got like Ponga back, but they just they were just all over the place. Like, I don't know, they had no like their, their defense was awful. They had no desperation in defense, no determination in defense. Um, it's what do you do? Like, what's I don't know what's wrong with them because they're much better than the last couple of games we've seen from them. I mean, we've seen good stuff from them already this year. I know people like to pile in on guys like Star Tower and Giamat Shibasaki, and yeah, they again weren't weren't great. But the the whole forward pack, who that's you know on paper that should be one of the best packs in the comp: Clemens, Sofidi, Frizzell, Barnett, you know Watson. I know he was at five eight for for this game, but um, you know all those guys like they were awesome in the first couple of rounds and I think every one of them just really just didn't turn up I'm, I'm not saying not tried but um, yeah just absolutely got um, shown up by their their opposite men and um, yeah just a, a really just weak performance I think um, Knights fans are entitled to be pretty uh, disappointed with this one but yeah take nothing away from um, from the Gold Coast it wasn't just David Fafita um, you know AJ Brimson had that great running battle with with Ponga who I know he's good mates yeah. with they sort of traded long range line breaks they got one you know, each got one over the other. Tyrone Peachy, I haven't mentioned yet, um, playing at lock, starting at lock. Um, I thought he was going to end up going out wide um, as soon as there was an injury, but they kept him in the middle and he he repaid the faith. I thought he had an incredible game as well. So, yeah, huge positives for the Titans. Ash Taylor um, returned from injury as well, so they're heading back towards being full strength, just um, almost an upwards for the Gold Coast boys. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll call out Mitch Rain as well. I thought he had a really great game. Yeah. He's yeah. been really good all year, Mitch Rain. I mean, he's not—he's never going to be a, a Damian Cook or a Cameron Smith, but you know, he's 
pretty nippy out of dummy half and he gets for a lot of defensive work and he um you know he's fit and he doesn't run out of juice and he turns up i um you know i think you could do a lot worse than having uh mitch rain as your, your number nine and he's he's been good so far yeah, agree. Anyway, Friday night, 30 points to 10, the Panthers over the Raiders. This was uh, talked up all week as the, the blockbuster of the round. It was close for a while, but, um, you know, the, the Raiders obviously lost a chance to hook start to a, um, a head knock, and then Josh Hodgson in the second half had to go off as well. And, um, you know, you need all your players to be at their best, I think, to beat Penrith in Penrith the way that Penrith are going at the moment. So, um, yeah, the scoreline got away from a bit in the end. Yeah, I think perhaps it was the the occasion of the day um, just sort of boosted the Panthers that little bit more to, to really, really, really take to the Raiders. So it was what the 91 grand final reunion, Panthers yeah. old boys, blah, blah, blah. And I I mean, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I'm sure there would have been some kind of like pregame meet and greet talking about. Um, you know the vibe that the '91 team had, and they lost their, you know, they lost the '90 Grand Final and second chance, blah blah blah. They're in a great spot. Compare that to where you are now, boys. Go out there and absolutely smash those Raiders, and that's what they did. I mean, I, I expected it to be a lot closer than this. I mean, it wasn't like the Raiders were on top of them all the time. Like there was definitely um, key moments where the Ra- where the sorry, it wasn't like the Panthers were on top of them all the time. There were definitely key moments where the Raiders were um, were uh, in the ascendancy, but. Um, the Panthers are just in such a great spot. I, I I really want to see the Panthers do well. I think it was disappointing the way they they lost the grand final last year. I do worry that perhaps they're peaking too early, like because they are they're just in such a good spot. You can see the like you know, the camaraderie, the the you know joy is probably an appropriate word to use. Like they're just so yeah. happy. They're so um, cohesive. You know, that's they're just a team that is together, wants to be together, trusts each other, and um, are, are, yeah, happy. That's the way to like, the only way to describe it. Like Jerome Luai, some of the stuff he did was only only stuff that you can get away with doing when you're when you trust your team and you also trust that your team trusts you to do that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, they were they were they were amazing. I don't know what else to say. I'm gushing. Yeah, I mean, they, they just were really, really ominous. The, the halves were both excellent. Cleary wasn't really doing anything eye-catchingly spectacular, I mean, until he latched onto that intercept try in the last couple of minutes, but he just is so composed at the moment. He's calm. He's, he's kicking really, really well, kicking the corners. He's he's balancing really well with Luai, and Luai is sort of that, you know, the free spirit 5'8", and Cleary is the controlling halfback. They just seem to the, the really perfect sort of yin and yang at the, the moment, and um you know, Isaiah Yo, who I don't think, um, I think people are sort of cottoning on to just how good he is, but I still don't think he gets anywhere mm-hmm. near that the raps that he deserves. He's had a, you know, phenomenal season so far. You know, Fisher Harris, the last 24 months, been one of the best middles in the, the competition. They're just very, very ominous at the moment. And for some reason, every single week, they seem to end up with. 53, 55, 60% of the ball. You talk about them peaking too early, but if they're going to hold on to 55, 60% of possession every game, they're not going to get tired because they're, they're the ones making everyone else tired. So mm. I'm not sure how you stop them at the moment. Um, anyway, the earlier Friday game, the uh, the Sea Eagles got on the board um, finally in, in round five, a 13-12 win over the Warriors on the Central Coast. A daily Cherry Evans field goal um, iced the win. Uh, pretty poor really I thought from the Warriors they were definitely missing some cattle obviously their halfbacks out long term um, Adam Fanua Blake their, their major signing missing for the middle along with Bunty Alfoa they were definitely missing some troops but even so you know look at the players that Manly are missing and the, the form of the respective teams I thought the Warriors should have done better than they did in this one Yeah this was really disappointing from the Warriors and I think it, it all just came down to 
their attack just didn't seem to have any uh, any direction. They the only way I can describe it. Um, this is going to be an odd analogy, perhaps not. Um, so, I uh, when I, I used to play Oztag, and I was quite bad at it because I'm not very fast. But the the way I, I would always be the one that let tries in because um, surprise surprise because <laughs> there'd be you know there'd be these like Benji Marshall wannabes on the other team, and if you if you hold the line, all they can do is just sort of dance around and not do anything until somebody like breaks the line and tries to tag them. Then you create the giant gap and they run through and score. The Warriors just seemed to be dancing at the Seagulls, like not really knowing what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't like, I guess maybe because they're missing Bunty, they're missing Adam Fanua Blake, they're missing, you know, real impact, you know, go forward kind of players. They just didn't seem to uh, be able to, to create any kind of gap in the, in the Seagulls defensive line. And I don't think the Seagulls were particularly spectacular in defense at all. I just don't think the Warriors really had, you know, what's, what's the right word, like direction in attack or, um, impact in attack and that's and that's what really let them down they you know they should have won this match i don't say easily but they, they shouldn't have lost this match that's that's what it comes down to and i think it was um yeah they just didn't know what to do when they had the ball in hand yeah like you say it was just it was just a bit disappointing it had plenty of excuses for them but um you know missing a few guys who aren't going to be back or certainly not soon so they're going to have to um figure out a way to to do better with with what they've got but i mean the the I guess the flip side of the coin, Manly has been an absolutely torrid first month of the year. You know, players missing through injury, huge scorelines against them, the worst opening month in, in the club's history. Um, you know, 75 odd years they've been in the, the competition. Um, you know, they were, they were sort of celebrating like they won a grand final when the field goal went over. But you could just see <laughs> the emotion and the relief and the catharsis of, um, of finally getting yeah. that first win out of the way. You could kind of just tell how tough it had been for them. Yeah, and they, they had some great moments in this game as well. Like they, um, what the the Saab try um, from an, a kick off the scrum from DCE was you know spectacular. So they um, they weren't afraid to sort of you know chance their hand and 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 you know, just try whatever would work for them. But you're right when that when that field goal went over, you could just see the way everybody reacted was, yeah, the monkey's off the back and they can probably move on. Sounds like Tommy Turbo is pretty close to returning, um, which obviously they've been stinging for. Uh, it will become even more pressing if Dylan Walker's to miss some game time. He went off with like a hamstring injury. So, um, I mean, I'm not sure that Dylan Walker was ever the answer at, at fullback. They've got other guys there like Morgan Harper and Tavita Funa that could probably do a similar job filling in. But um, if they do get Tommy Turbo back coming off a win, then, you know, things might start, you know, again, I don't see them making the, uh, the finals this year, but things might start to get a bit better for them. Yeah, I mean, I've gone on and on about how, how like crucial Turbo is to that team. I mean, that's not really great insight. Wow, everybody knows that. I don't think he's he'll help them improve, but I, I you know, I don't think they're going to win I, I mean, much more games just because he's in the in the team with the with the the remaining troops that they've got. Starting to look like neither of those teams are going to be uh, a factor in the uh, the finals at the end of the year. But I guess we'll wait and see. The uh, Rabbitohs thirty five six winners over the Broncos at Stadium Australia on Thursday night. Um, just ominous again. This one probably went pretty much to script. Yeah, I mean, it, it is as it was. I mean, that's what we all expected to happen. I, I think what, what, we, what I didn't expect to happen anyway was uh, Benji Marshall to be, to, just to have such a great game. Like he was, it, it was, you know, it was the Benji Marshall show. He was instrumental. He was everywhere. Um, he, like, you know, I, I'm a Tigers fan. I love Benji Marshall. It doesn't matter. I don't care what team he's playing for. Um, he was excellent in this game. Um, and it just goes to show um, that he still has a lot to offer. And uh, I think he made the right choice in joining a team that can probably take him to another final series. 
Yeah, the Broncos, um, you know, I don't know what, what anybody really expected them to do against against Souths. Uh, I really think, um, you know, again, great insight. Milford's really struggling. I don't know what's going on there. He had an absolute shocker of a game, if you ask me. Um, and, yeah, their fifth tackle options were just, I don't know, they, were, they weren't even there. They, like, the amount of times they just got caught on the, with the ball on the fifth because they hadn't worked out what they were supposed to do at the end of that set was, yeah, a little bit worrying. So I don't know what... Well, like, I don't know what the Broncos are going to do to get out of that hole. Um, but Souths, even with all the stuff that's going on about Adam Reynolds potentially changing clubs, et cetera, et cetera, um, that was strong and they did what, what we expected them to. Yeah, I was covering this game uh, for NRL.com. So I was in the press conferences and the sheds um, afterwards. So, to, I mean, to follow up on a few of your points, first of all, Benji Marshall, um, I did expect exactly what we got from him, which was just to slot in absolutely smoothly. He's such an old pro and it's such a good system. And he spent so long already alongside Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds and Damien Cook and Latrell Mitchell. I kind of just thought he's going to come in. He's not going to play like Cody Walker necessarily, but he's just going to, he's going to play like Benji Marshall in the South system and do really well. And that's what happened. Latrell Mitchell, we haven't really talked about. He was phenomenal. Um, again, just really, really hard to handle. You think he's going to do that to a, a few teams as the year goes on. Um, we asked Wayne Bennett about Benji Marshall and he was pretty much, he just couldn't believe still that South's got Benji Marshall that late in the piece for that sort of a price and no other club swooped on him. But he's just, people are sort of questioning why are South's getting Benji Marshall? They don't need him. They've got Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds. And I think we've seen through five rounds exactly why South's mm. got Benji Marshall. And that's without even seeing the impact he's having on the youngsters around the club off the field, which I'm sure is absolutely immense. Um, what he's been able to do just purely on the field has been absolutely invaluable. For Brisbane, I was in the, the Kevin Walters presser um, and it just it was just really confusing to me like it just he was sort of chipper and chipper and, in, and positive and saying you know it was a much better game um than the week before when they lost to the storm by a pretty similar margin i think it was only a few extra points was it 35 to 6 against 40 to 6 but um you know in, in one breath he was praising milford for having his best game of the year and in the next breath he was saying that the halves um, poor last tackle options cost them the game and he still doesn't seem to know whether Brody Croft or Tom Dearden is the answer at number seven. They were interchanged in the middle of the game, or not in the middle of the game, it was 10 minutes from full time, but he just said, oh, it had been 70 minutes and Tom Dearden's night was over, so I brought Brody Croft on. There just seems to be no real plan or strategy about how to get the best out of their halves. Yeah, it's it's, it's a real interesting one. Um, I, I thought, like, so, I mean, Kevin, 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 I don't know what we want to call him. He's got this network of... Broncos old boys that are sort of standing around him and, you know, giving him um, the, the, the emotional support. I don't know, just trying to the PR support and that's great, but I don't know what the coaching staff, ha- well, yeah, what their plans are or, or I mean, who do they recruit to sort of get them out of that hole? Like I, I, maybe, maybe Adam Reynolds is what they need. Who knows? Um, but it's always, you know, it's lack of leadership and it's, it's lack of maturity that they're, they're, yeah, it's, I don't know what they're supposed to do, but it sounds like Kevin doesn't really know what they're supposed to do either. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Adam Reynolds, he, um, he was gracious enough to come and speak to us. Journos who were pestering the club to, uh, to speak to him. Obviously he's, uh, he's in the news due to his contract situation to his credit. He was quite upfront about it. He said he, you know, he understood the position the club was in and, you know, didn't want to leave South, but he was not resigned that it was over, but certainly he was on the market now and he's prepared to look at any option that's, 
you know, what's best for his family. So he said he'll absolutely be prepared to move into state if that's what he needs to do. So I guess that keeps the Cowboys and the Broncos uh, in the frame. Both uh, both have more problems than a good number seven is going to fix, but a good number seven is exactly what both of those clubs need probably more than anything. So um, could be good news for one of those two clubs um, next year if they can get their hands on, on Adam Reynolds for a couple of years. And it's, it's also, I mean, it's the point you raised about having Benji Marshall and someone like Benji Marshall in the team as well. Adam Reynolds will be able to have an effect on the younger guys, the inexperienced guys, about how to train, how to prepare, and also how to handle um, adversity on the field and out there, you know, off the field as well. Because, you know, that's a breathing circle is not going to really solve that for you. I think, you know, I think it's, it's good that now when points are scored against the Broncos, they all have to look at each other. But, you know, that's not really going to solve... Um, that's not going to solve the problems that we're seeing. Well, that's um, plenty to, uh, to mull over for Brisbane in the coming weeks. Anyway, that's all that we have time for on the Sunday Session podcast. Our thanks uh, once again to Chris Lewis from the Melbourne Storm. It was um, great having him on. Kenny, thank you uh, for rejoining us after your little sojourn last week. And uh, thanks to everyone once again for joining us. We'll be back this time next week.